Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Shop Store Podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. This is episode number 32. My name is Robin Lewis from robinlewismakes.com. I'm joined by Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Hello. And John Crawford from Periodic Furniture Studio. Hello. We live stream the recording on YouTube every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time or UTC plus 10, or you can watch or listen to it later on YouTube, iTunes, or SoundCloud. I want to say hello to everyone in the chat. We'll get to your comments and questions towards the end of the show, but please feel free to chat amongst yourselves, the idea being that this is also a place for people to meet. So what have we been – well, actually, before, before we do that, um, I just want to say welcome back to Joey. He wasn't yes. here last week, so it's good I to was, have you back on the show. Juggling, juggling, <laughs> juggling pregnant wife and three-year-old. Oh, you, you shouldn't juggle pregnant women. No, tell you what. <laughs> it's, it's not in the, uh, the Australian guidelines, is it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, it's good to have you back on the show. We, we, we worked through last week, but there was a distinct lack of, of content from, from number three. So, yeah, and we've got, a, we've got a question that needs answering tonight that was specifically asked um, right. for you, but we'll, we'll get to that later. I like it. So, Jordan, what have you been working on this Oof, week? My goodness. Uh, this week, I am. There, there comes like, you know, you're spread thin because you're trying to do so many things. And then there is spread to within a micron. And that's where I'm at right now. I'm yeah, just, last week, you were saying it was a bit touch and go. Yeah. So, last week <clears throat> was, you know, one, one project on the go, and that was it. And this, this week, I have been doing, honestly, I couldn't even list everything I've been looking into, but. Yeah, 24 hours a day, I've got 10 things on my mind because it's just that that time of year where it's, um, you know, end of tax, trying to get finance mm. sorted for that. And then I've got five people came in to me looking for quotes, which is great because I was yeah. completely quiet. But, um, you know, they're, they're nothing major. They're just wall mount cabinet and all this sort of boring stuff, which is easy to do and I can and batch out, no worries. Uh, and while all that was happening, I was also in a rush to get my laser cutter imported because while I arranged for them to do the cost insurance and freight um, style of freighting, they did not do CIF freighting as I requested. They did it just on the cheapest scale. So, Sorry, what, what freighting? CIF? Yeah, so the sender takes care of everything from cost of the getting it onto the boat cost of the actual freight the insurance for it and all of that mm. um but they did that but they did it in the, the cheapest way so the laser was landing on friday last week i got notified of this and i didn't realize i was going to have to do the customs uh, clearance and declaration mm -hmm. i had to approach the freight forwarder over this matter um, and then, annoying, yeah. yeah, and it That's was difficult because you, you're like, who the heck do you call? <laughs> yeah, and I had to ask my my supplier of the laser who their freight forwarder is because the phone number on the letterhead wasn't working. Turns out I was ringing the fax number, but <laughs> <laughs> that was not, like that not, was. not the point. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was like a frantic rush to get this thing uh, cleared because so, if you don't pick it up within three days, you get charged $150 a day in storage. Yes. So I also, it's been a quiet couple of weeks, so I have very little money on my person and it was another $2,700 to get it imported. 
which I had to come up with, which was GST, was it? Yeah, uh, GST, duty, and also the forwarder, freight forwarders, uh, well, you know, yeah. whatever. So that was a huge rush. Um, all while that's going on, I'm also trying to get this new um, plan, which is still hush hush underway, which is, you know, doing the new website, getting the finances, insurances, getting all of that sort of stuff ironed out while trying to build a dining table, a bench seat, two stools, yeah. and remember to get back to people with quotes. Sounds and, like you're running a business by yourself. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just been like, why couldn't this be spread out over that two-week quiet period of nothing? <laughs> yeah. why, why did it all have to come in at once? Um, is, is this something that you can get some help with, like from someone you know, or does it have to be done by Jordan? The thing is... Yes, it could totally be done by someone I know, but everyone I know that would, I would A, trust or, or B, be willing to ask have full-time jobs of them themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, a bad move. In, oh, dear, my air compressor's on. A, uh, a bad move to approach them to say, hey, I'm in a real rush. Can you take care of all of this, throw it at them and run the opposite direction while I'm doing something else? Yeah, I was just thinking from like a, a consult, you know, consulting perspective. Like, just come on, I can give you a week's work. Would you know? Would you be interested? Oh yeah, I mean, if I had uh, if I had the finances to do it, I would mm. totally do that. But right now, I'm I'm just pretty scant. Is yeah. that even a word? But pretty skint. thin on on cash. <laughs> skint is the word I was looking skint. for. Um, <laughs> skint. So yeah, I mean, right, I would so, love so to. But, the money that's coming in wouldn't isn't enough to justify getting the, the that's what I'm saying. Like the, the yeah, extra no. money coming in not enough to justify the, the, the money that's coming in right now is barely enough to keep me just paying costs. Right. You know, okay. It's just enough. So yeah, can't really um, an extra expense. I hear it quite often what you were bringing up, um, Robin, is that you hear it a lot from um, these business coach type people that oh if if you're finding it yourself too stressed, you bring someone else in to take care of those jobs that mm-hmm. you, you don't have time for. And I, that's a really good idea. Apart from they never say how you're meant to pay for that person when you're if, like, otherwise you would have done it. Yeah. People, mm-hmm. people aren't that stupid that they're just going to continue being stressed <laughs> when they know that, that you can pay someone to help you out. The problem is, is getting that, stream of capital up front to, mm. to actually be in a position where you can uh, where you know you could hire someone for two weeks or a month yeah the, the money that's come the, the extra volume of work that's putting you under stress would need to equate to extra capital that you could put into that but I, I guess yeah. and to yeah. get yeah. that work coming in and a deposit and a queue of clients and you've got the capital sitting there from say deposits that's when you can say right now i can afford to have mm. someone come in um, in theory but this it, it, is very it's like chicken or the egg massively and and the thing with my situation is that the work that is taking all of my time isn't work that's generating income it's not for a paying client it's for mm. getting ready for a paying client hopefully so right. it's, it's, right. like, it's it's literally throwing money at something which isn't to have any end game or at least no short term anyway hopefully mm. long term mm. But, uh, yeah, it's been a fun week. It's been one of those weeks where you just say, why did I even start this? <laughs> so, Sorry, maybe a stupid question then. So that big box on the back of the truck, that was the laser? That was the laser, one. Okay, yeah. Right. And uh, there is a story to go with that. But it How did you get it off? 
Oh, I used my forklift. That wasn't anything. Oh, you've got a forklift there, sorry. I forget. Yeah. But uh, the laser is, I mean, it's the correct size, but they sent me this video when it was finished being built in China and it was a white machine as I ordered. <laughs> uh, it's red. <laughs> um, and then when I when I opened it up, I looked at the, the tube that's in there and I thought to myself, that looks way too small to be 100 watt, oh, 130 no. watt, and it's 80 watts. And I sent an email just saying, hey, this, da -da -da -da, how can we fix this? No, no, that is the correct tube. <laughs> no, on, on my quote, I have a recce 130 watt tube. And what you've supplied is not even a recce. It's a different brand for one. And it's also 80 watts. Oh, but in China, we call it this. I'm like, no, your, <laughs> yeah, my, my pro forma invoice is essentially our contract between the two yeah. companies. You have not delivered what is on this contract. I had I put a photo of the tube that was here and the actual invoice printout. This is not what's on there. I'm trying to be like reasonable about this and not jump to conclusions and just say that, hey, you probably had two freights go out on the same day or similar spec and I got the wrong one. Someone got my yeah. upgrade. Now you just need to send me the, the tube. No no hard feelings. I can use it until the new tube arrives. They, but they're do you not just, have... Do you not have a picture of, you said you, you saw a picture of the white or the video. Yeah, I've got the video, video still. Yeah, and I've got can, the... Can you send them that back? And, I have. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and they're still saying... You should see this email chain. Uh, they're trying I, to convince I, me. It yeah. says, even if you did get a 130-watt machine, it doesn't mean it's 100 watts. And I just replied, so I know how laser tubes work. I've been <laughs> laser cutting for years. I realized that the usable power rating of this tube would be 100 watts, and that's why we upgraded. But you haven't even sent me the standard level. You've sent me a downgraded level. God, they're just being real difficult. Classic Chinese suppliers that don't want to admit they're wrong when the color and is quite a giveaway. You're in China, they're like, what are, we, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like very little I can do. And I got it at such a good price that I can't complain too heavily. But What's a tube worth? Uh, oh, probably six, seven hundred bucks. Right. No. And the difference between the 80 and the 100, is it pretty substantial? Yeah, it's pretty like, bad. Like in terms of performance. Yeah, so like, well, this is an 80 watt. My old one was 60 watt and I can't even cut at the same speed. Admittedly, I haven't aligned everything yet. It's just as it came. So mm. once that's done, I'm sure it will be better. But I should be cutting at 30 millimeters a second. And this, I can't cut anything less than 12 millimeters a second right now. Mm. So there's, very, there's a very slim chance that I'll even be able to cut the 9 millimeter plywood that I need to, <laughs> which I bought this laser for when the 100 watt would do it like it's butter. So, And you can get... You can buy the 100-watt laser here in Australia and replace it? Uh, no. Well, yeah. Tube. I can get the tube. Um, well, sorry, yeah, I just mean the tube, yeah, not, not the whole. I can, but the, the issue is is that it's not just getting the replacement tube. It's also getting the power supply to go with it because right. it, it is plug and play, but it's I have to buy a 100-watt tube and then I'd have to buy the 100-watt power supply, mm. wait for it to get here. And then any time that's lost there, like this should be generating the income from day one. Yeah. And now I can't because it's not actually up to the task that it's purchased for. And, uh, you, know, sucks. <laughs> you know, they're not going to give a crap. They don't care if I'm losing money. They've got my money now. So yeah. it's just, we'll see. Hopefully yeah. they do the right thing. 
It's interesting. So um, I think we talked about this previously. Colin Black Byron, he's a also a YouTube maker. He got a thick no jointer, maybe uh, from China. It was either jointer or thicknesser, mm-hmm. and um, he said the amount of conversation back and forth to make this happen. He said that was the most nerve wracking part <laughs> is that conversation of you don't know what's going on over there, mm-hmm. um, and I guess this is the the unfortunate you know, possibility. Yeah. And I mean, their approach is saying that it's the same when it's not the same. Mm. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, my, my sister has uh, her company manufactures a lot in the same city as them. So maybe one of her contacts can actually go to their factory and just say, Hey, what's up? I'm mm. representing this. But the thing is the deed is done. So mm. there's very it's little not like chance. you can return it. It's just me, Hopefully, me being calm, level, and collected will be enough for them to say, yep, we did mess up. Sorry, we'll replace the part. Yeah, because at the end of the day, they can just replace the part, not the entire laser. So, that's a, a potential. That's an yeah. out for them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the said, uh, who was the supplier? And it's uh, Robotech CNC. Stay away. Mm. <laughs> at this stage, stay away. Next week, I might say they're great. <laughs> Cool. Oh, that's that's a bit of a, a heavy week. Any, was there anything else that's like good that's come out of the week? This week sounds like been, it's stressful and, and broken lasers. Yeah, this this week's not been a great one for like wins. I'm still working on the same project as last week because it's just taking forever with resin and just annoying hmm. curing times. So still working on that, but no, nah, yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's been a good week, just a busy one. <laughs> what about you, Robin? Well, this has been, I've had a very productive week. Um, I saw. Yeah. I've finally got the weatherboards out of my workshop and up onto my workshop wall, which was really exciting. It was a very um, overly complicated project because of the way I was doing it. So for those of you who haven't installed weatherboards before, you generally start at the bottom. You put the bottom board on. You put the next board on and then they go up in sequence pretty easily in terms of lining them up and all of that. But because the top of my house is weatherboards and I was working down, I ended up having to screw everything in place so that I could screw the board in, then get the next board lined up and cut and ready, then unscrew the previous board, slide the board underneath, (laughs) screw that off screw off the one above it and then repeat the process. So that is a way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. So it ended up taking like it was, I did it in chunks, but in terms of full day, it was probably about three full days worth of, and it was a seven by two and a half meter square area. So if you were doing it in the traditional way, you probably would have finished a whole house in a day and a half. Exactly. To do a tiny section, it took you three times as long. That's yeah, which that's was fun. It was, but but at the end of the day, it, it was working. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't. Well, yeah. What you can do in that situation is story rod your mm. um, tops or bottoms. Work out your spacings. Start at the bottom. Yeah. And then just slide the last one in under and over. Yeah, that would have worked bit, really well, actually, the because it's a bit fudgy. But uh, other than that, you just do it normally and work your way up. 
Oh no, the last one would have been simple because you would have just yeah. slid it under yeah. the, under, you know, the the. Yeah. That would have actually worked really well because, and these are all those things that you don't you, you sort of work yeah. them out as you go, and then <laughs> yeah. on the last board you're like, oh, this is so easy, but now the pro the job's done. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because they're 170 um, high weather boards yeah. Yeah. with a 30 mil um, yeah. overhang or overlap. So yeah. putting together a storyboard for that would have been simple. Hmm. Yeah. So if you have any more like that to do on the house, maybe yeah. work your way, do it, do it that way. It might yeah. help. <laughs> so that's all in. Uh, I finished. So as I put it up, I was just putting in screws here and there um, just to get it up. Just before the podcast, I finished putting in all the screws. I don't. A lot of people said to me, oh, you should be doing nails. That's going to be quicker. But I couldn't. And at the end of the day, because they are pine weather boards, I'm actually I'm happier putting in screws. Hopefully it'll, it'll last a bit better. Um, what else? Oh, and then other than that, I've spent a lot of this week just by chance. Uh, I was just um, because now I'm cleaning up my workshop. I've been sharpening all of my my tools, like my chisels and my plane. Just it's one of those things where you get I get bored and then I'm like, oh, well, let me go sharpen the tools. So all my tools are super sharp, ready to go for when I can actually start working again. <laughs> and I I took your advice, Jordan, and I got rid of my high speed steel um, thicknesser cutter heads and replaced them for the carbide. And you're liking it? I've run one board through, which actually slightly bogged down, but then to be fair, it's the width of my thickness, uh, and it's a ridiculously heavy hardwood, so yeah. can't really fault a, a cheaper machine like that. <laughs> Even my machine bogs down if I go full width, and that's got a 15 horsepower yeah. motor on it. So. Yes, I'm not too worried. The cut is, it's amazing. But I guess it's going to come down to the longevity, how long they hold that edge. Because my last, I've had this unit now for about a year mm -hmm. and I've gone through and, and I've just pulled out the original cutter heads. So they've been rotated once. Right. So if I can, if I can stay on these for a year before I rotate them, then I'll well, be, be happy. That's a long time. <laughs> well, I think, someone, for someone like you, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be fine because, you know, my, my cut ahead, I, that must be coming up on a year, if not more, on mine. And that's used every day with the hardwoods. Still on the first edge, still as sharp as the first day I got. That's the spiral bit, yeah. The spiral, yeah. But, I mean, to be fair, from what I've heard, um, like I, uh, I think it was Frank Howarth, he hasn't rotated his in three years or something. Mm. And a lot of people find that you just don't need to almost yeah. ever, unless you hit something, um, rotate those those knives. Would it come down to the, the depth of your cut as well, or is that not really an issue because the wood's not wood? I mean, there's less strain on your tool because it's a shearing cut and it's also taking shorter chips. Mm. Um, so maybe it would also maybe uh, could be heat build-up, like less yeah, heat yeah. build-up. There'll be less hot. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the thing with carbide is that it's not as sharp as high speed steel, but it doesn't lose its edge mm -hmm. very easily unless you chip it. So that's that's why you use carbide on metal blades. Now it's just way easier and lasts way longer. While we're talking about it, the the so my machine's got twenty six cutter heads, and to purchase the heads, you buy them in boxes of ten. Yeah. Would you ever change some of them and not the others? Or would you – because in my mind, it doesn't make sense. You, you're either going to change them all or you're not going to change them. A carbide likes to crack and shatter. So mm. generally, the only time I would change one out completely 
is if it's hit something hard and it's actually cracked the carbide and it's crumbled off. Um, so that can happen, okay. Oh, yeah, it can happen. But the, the, the worst thing that's going to happen, you have a, a head, I'd assume you would have four rows minimum, maybe three rows minimum, like of that, that segmented head on your cutter head. What, like, sorry, how many faces on the on the head? Yeah, well, yeah, so if you lined it, lined them all up and imagined that all of your segmented uh, knives were one continuous knife, mm. how many knives would you Oof. have on a cutter block? It would be at least three. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's six faces and there's about, it's four or five across. Yeah, so like even if you have a few inserts which are duller than the other, the overlap of the next face is going to take care of the you know, the dull finish that you're receiving off that one tiny centimeter square block. And that's why I thought maybe there's a case for doing 10, you know, only replacing 10 because you can get away with doing that. It's the same as if you've got two batteries, you can just replace the one and it's going to, you're going to, it's going to go for 50% of the time, but it still goes. So mm. maybe people do only replace 10 at a time. That's but I just a sales thing. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't understand make why way more money if they sell 10 than batches of 30. <laughs> yeah, because now, well, you know, it's 26 heads and now I'm left with four heads, which when I guess when I've replaced them four times, however many, I will then have another set. Well, so, all yeah, the, just, just all I'll say, Robin, is you're 26. How many? Sorry, 36. 36. 26. 26. I've got 220 on mine. Yes. They cost $6 a piece. Yeah, well, this was, this is. I bought them from Hafco. They were ninety bucks for ten. Yeah, so ten bucks a piece there. But yeah, it's going to be going to be expensive when it comes time for me to replace all of my knives. No wonder you have. No wonder they're still they're still going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. All right, well, that's that's been pretty much me, Joey. What's okay, up with, with you. Um, I've been doing a little bit of cabinet work. Anyone's looked at my Instagram? You see, I'm doing some MDF panel doors. I've been working on these awesome wooden bowls um, all on the CNC at the moment. Um, they are, they've just prototyped some up for a company. They're wanting to put some kind of cosmetic in these bowls, some new startup kind of high-end, all organic, blah, 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 cosmetic company. Um, and they're looking like three, 400 of these bowls. So we've just been trying to uh, sort out the details of how we can mass produce these these things um they're pretty cool they have a, a wooden thread we managed to cut a, a, a male and female thread on the cnc i saw and, that on um yeah, yeah. Instagram. are you so, using fusion for that or is it i uh, no, it's definitely not no. fusion i am not the brains behind the operation as far ah, as right. the cnc goes um, my yeah. father-in-law does all that and just works it out some magical way by the end of the day we've got a thing <laughs> yeah um, I just kind of say, we need to make this. Can we do it? Yep, right. Let's go for it. Um, so that, that's a cool thing. So the mm. other thing that you may have seen, and I probably talked about it two weeks ago when I was on last, was this loft bed that I was making. Um, and if you are not familiar, there's a couple of pictures on Instagram. So it's a, a loft bed with big turned posts, and a kind of floating staircase um, for a little girl's bedroom. So I went and installed that last Thursday. So and um and I, I'm going to probably sound a little bit repetitive. I think I've 
been down this complaining route before. <laughs> I was but, just looking at our tough clients episode today for some reason. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about another tough client. And annoyingly, this is just what happens when you deal with lots of people. Most of the time, they're nice. This time, not so cool. <laughs> what happened? So... So I uh, made the bed, loved it, uh, and installed it. Everything worked, went pretty good. Um, client was a little bit iffy when I left, just wasn't giving off that stupendous vibe that you get when they really like what, what you've delivered. Um, so the next day, I get an email with like, some photos saying, look, um, I think you, the finish isn't great, and here's some pictures. And I had actually kind of actually legitimately forgotten about a couple of things. I didn't cover a screw head up. Uh, there was a couple of screw heads. There was a little a gap that hadn't been you know, corked and a little bit of paint touch-up, which I'd forgotten to do. So pretty much just forgot to do a once-over before I left. Um, but then she went on and the email just continued and continued. Um, so why is the gap between the stairs and the bed so big? How come my daughter's existing desk doesn't fit under the stairs? And how come I can see a bolt holding it onto the wall? Now, are these things that, that had been discussed or just... That's the next thing is that all of these points, I've got a massive email chain of discussion about me bringing these things up, saying, now, if we make the bed central of the window, which is under, you're going to have this large gap between the stairs and the bed, I'll have to make a wee bridge. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Now, that's dangerous. <laughs> so, so, yeah. and, and, um, and, and you've obviously shown her this and she said. Well, and the, so what her other complaint was that the stairs seem to just stop at an illogical place. And I was kind of like, where is a logical place? They stop at the top at the bed. <laughs> Where do our where us? But besides that, she's it's, seen drawings of it. She's signed off on it. Yeah, exactly. If it's illogical, well, there's only one person to blame. So I um actually wrote back this email like straight away and cut and pasted segments of our big email thread into the new email and said, "This is your responses to all these things last month when we talked about it." Um, and didn't hear anything all week until about an hour ago. I got an email from her. Um, sorry, sorry, just to stop you there. So you installed this. She yeah. emailed you the next day with all of these so issues. It was last Friday, yeah. Last Friday. Okay, so it's been a week. Okay, yeah. So I'm just getting my timeline right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's been exactly a week. Um, oh, yeah. So it just, it just annoyed me that... You, you, we, you know, we do everything we can to like make these things mm. work. Um, and you can give as much guidance as you, uh, as you can, but it just like, it just doesn't enter, doesn't, isn't received at the other end. It's like the whole reason I'm emailing you this is because I need you to understand that, that you've got uh, a fork in the road, go left or right. Each one's got pros and cons, you know, I, which way you're going to go and understand the consequences to each decision. You know, and, nothing if you is magic. and if you don't understand, that's fine. Let's, let's nut it out before yeah. we move on. Yeah. 
it's just like I was I was trying to work out what all week has been bugging me and I was trying to work out what it is that like trying to get it down to like a single point of what is it that is annoying me about the situation. And I think it is that, you know, we are asked as makers of things, we are constantly having to make these decisions versus, you know, is, does piece of wood A go on top of piece of wood B or behind? Do we want to see a screw head or do we want to see end grain? Like what is it going to be? Mm. And in the case of a kit set bed, which is just that it is a bed. It's going to have to be removed at some point. Um, you know, at where, where's the lawn, the line drawn as far as when's it okay to have a gap between two pieces of wood that are going to have to come apart at some point. Yeah. Sort of the, the form over function. <laughs> yeah. Function over form. Yeah. So one of her complaints was that I, the, the handrail at the top of this bed, you know, the, the, the rail to stop you falling out of bed um, had mitered corners, and there's it's not a perfect mitre. It's, it's, it's just this is what it is. It's it's not perfect. Um, and it's, this isn't painted. This is clear. It's painted. Ah. It's all painted white. All the edges are rounded over, and um, so so it's like okay, you don't have a perfect mitre. Something's obviously not quite square. We are talking about a massive bed here. But, that you've fitted um, into a house, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but so what? I could come and screw it together, glue it, bog it, paint it, and it will look perfect. I can do that on site. You will never le- get it out of the room. Do you want the option of having to take it apart and on sell it to someone else, or do you just want to take to it with a saw at some point and remove it from the bedroom? Like, it's a very you know. And, of course, at this point, you know, I've still not paid. There's no talk of payment. It sounds very dubious about if I'm going to get my full amount of money at this point. Um, so th- is this all in the email that she sent you tonight or is this still the No, first? her email tonight was like two lines saying, when are you going to come? <laughs> Damn. So I'm like, you know, my whole point of my response to her was, I'm happy to come and fix up these pieces of paint fill a screw head, that's fine. I'm going to have to stop at some point because you agreed to the design. Like if you want me to alter the gap between the stairs and the bed, I can do that. That's a day for me to take the whole thing apart on site, cut pieces down, glue pieces on, repaint it. You know, like this is not really a charity thing here. Mm. So, um, so, so far her response is just, when are you going to come? So it's, uh, not sure how it's going to play out at this point. Yeah, that's rough. That's, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no real way to win here unless she backs down, and she doesn't sound like the type of person who's going to back down. Yeah, uh, it's just baffling to me that, you know, to be honest, what I think has happened is the, the this bed looked really nice in drawings, and when it was actually in the bedroom, it just feels much bigger than it looked. And you're always going to get that when, you know, you're standing in a three-dimensional space. Um, And I think that there's a perception or the reality is it hasn't created the extra space in the room that she was hoping for. And while the thing is built nicely and it looks nice, overall, she possibly is just disappointed that it hasn't kind of met what she was wanting. And now she's gone and spent the money on it. Mm. Um, 
and she possibly is just disappointed. Perhaps that, that's what I'm feeling at this point. But um, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I'm how, sure. how it's so funny. So like I have this very similar issue with my dearest loving wife who I cherish. But a lot of the times when, when I make stuff and, and I renovate, she looks at it and she and she'll pick it apart. She's not, you know, she's not being nasty. It's just that's not right. But in my mind, and I think this goes back to what you're saying, Joey, this everything is a decision. So in my mind, that was the best decision. I could have done something else, but in that moment, I can't go back and just ask every five minutes, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah. And to be fair as well, like some of these are just in my opinion, the best decisions. But that's why I was going to bring up this. I've got a note to say, as makers, are, are we responsible then to um, run every kind of crucial, quote, unquote, crucial decision by the customer? Mm. At what point are we allowed to sit back and say, no, this is my decision of making it this way, and you're just going to have to live with the fact that in this particular circumstance, you're going to have to see a screw head from this angle because you know, otherwise – this thing is not getting into the broom. It's got to be in two pieces or whatever it happens to be. Mm. At some point we have to make these decisions. Um, and those are things you can't draw. Or if you do mm. draw them on a drawing, you're going to be drawing for a month. You yeah. know, um, See, it, it's funny that you bring it up of that. How like does every decision have to go past the client? Because right now the clients I'm working on, while they are lovely, they are getting a deal which is beyond belief from me because they've basically got two thousand dollars worth of wood for free, <laughs> and I'm making all of these decisions with the build to say that well, this is to suit your budget. So I'm not going to do this. And yet I find myself there with a syringe with a hypodermic needle on it, injecting resin into cracks <laughs> on the tabletop because I can't bring myself away from it. Mm. Yet they want I, this like Z-frame stretcher to be kind of inset into the stretches right. so that it kind of blends into it as a sculptured piece. But I'm not making any money on this table. So why would I put the extra day, half a day labor into doing something where I can just cut the bevels and screw it up? Yeah, that's, it was really interesting because it comes down to yeah, it comes down to price point. Like um, they can expect all they want, but if they're not willing to pay for it, do we still do it? Yeah, and and that's the problem with shops is that you can walk into a shop and you can see exactly what you're getting, and you can choose to walk away or not. Um, well, if that customer walks away, the chances chances are they'll never find something in the shop that they are actually after hence they come to people like us to make them stuff but then they can't actually articulate what they want mm. like sometimes clients don't care about the details but sometimes they just focus on this one detail which they happen to have in their head and if you if we happen to make that decision the wrong way around and that detail's different um then then it's our fault and well, but we turn into the bad guy yeah but mm. even worse so then it's like which of something I've been trying to grasp as well as they suddenly it's like oh well I'm not paying the final amount. It's like well hang on a minute is this worth is this mistake quote unquote mistake yeah worth fifty percent of the job value? Like of course not. I mean we're talking about one or two percent of the overall job. So if anything, there's a two percent discount. But that yeah. pe people don't work that way. So it's. Uh, I wonder uh, if, as as creatives, we will look at at that 
that bolt. And that is that was part of Joey Chalk's decision and like vision. And so we can look at that and go, that in that moment of time is exactly what it should be. And therefore that piece is, is beautiful in its own right. You can't look at it and say, everything's got to be done like a piece of Ikea furniture or a piece of this furniture. It is what it is. And that's why he paid the money for it. But if you don't, if you don't see it, like it's that person's that's is that person's art, you know, or that person's Mm. piece, then you're never, then you're never going to be happy because you, it's, you need to be the one who's going to make it because otherwise you're never going to be happy. It's always going to be someone else's vision. That's the other thing as well that is very difficult to communicate when you mention Ikea. Like, let's say Ikea, a piece goes through development where it goes through what's the easiest way for us to manufacture. Okay, we've got that. And then what's the the best way to get a perfect finish every time? What what kind of details are we happy with? Um, And then everyone knows that and the process is A, B, C, D. You get something custom made like this loft bed where there's like a hundred moving elements and it's never been made before and it's R&D on the job as you go and there's going to be some error you're not Mm -hmm. going to build the prototype is not going to be perfect and if I made it again I would certainly do it differently but because in, in this the job we're doing we only really usually get one chance to make anything so Usually, every time you cut something, you're like, "Right, is can this be cut? You know, am I going to make a mistake here?" Um, so while there, are, while what I made is accurate to my drawings, I would make it differently if I had did it again because I've learned a lot about making that particular thing. Hmm. But the client has got what was drawn and what was agreed on, so you know. <laughs> making changes at this point is, is like a whole different, it's a whole new job. <laughs> mm. And Leroy's made, sorry, John, just to interrupt you. Leroy's made a very good point. Most people don't understand the process. And I think that's sort of what you're saying, um, Joey, the process to get from where you were to there is not yet nutted out. You don't know yeah. what it is. So that's where those decisions come up. And people think that in your mind, you've thought of everything start to finish, but it's impossible to have. Hmm. What were you going to say, John? I was just going to say, and it can be really disheartening when you, you've put a lot of your time, effort, and mental strain into a project like this to come up to a solution with their problem and then they're not happy with it and they make it seem like you're the bad guy when it's actually quite a selfless act in making a piece of furniture for someone's house, mm. especially when it's custom to a specific room like that and they don't really appreciate it. I mean, yeah, if it's not what it is, like if it's not what was decided upon, sure, that, that's valid reason to be unhappy with it and to talk about it. But still, it doesn't take away from as the craftsman to have this kind of deflated feel about it after the fact. <laughs> but I think, I think it's worse. It's more, it's more difficult in that because in the case of this bolt, they technically aren't wrong because you mm. could have done that bolt better. So they're picking up a point that is possibly technically true, mm. but they're missing everything else over that one minor detail. And, yeah. and that's where it becomes deflating, I think. 
That's a good point because, like when I was saying about that kind of two percent, like it's a very big job, um, and there, this person is essentially nitpicking um, at about two percent of the overall, and overall is exactly what they wanted. Mm. But you know, you send me a picture of a a one millimeter gap in a a mitre, and you're like, okay, um, sure. I mean, it's all painted. Like, uh, I don't know what, what to say. <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to have a very interesting update at next yeah. week's podcast because this is, yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see how this woman's going to go because, what I mean, what is your what is your next step if she says I'm not paying? Do you, do you go uh, via the litigation route, or is that just is that just stupid? Well, if she asks for a discount, I will go talk down the, the the percentage of how much percent of the job is she happy with. Hmm. For a start, she's paid 50%. That covers all the materials and a tiny little bit of labor. Um, so she owns the materials and it's currently installed in her house. So she owns it outright. I can't take it away. Hmm. Um, what's left of that... The, you know the other fifty percent is is money in for my business, some of which will go into my pocket. Most of it is probably going to end up as overheads. Um, so, you know, the, getting a discount. Yes, you can have a discount, but it's certainly not fifty percent. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So, mm. yeah. Well, I'll find out. I mean, I'm. I've had the week to just mull it over, and at this point, I, you know, just need to go back, do the touch-ups that I said I was going to, and, and that's about all I can do. Hmm. So. And you've dealt just with her, like she doesn't have a partner or someone who's can. She has uh, husbands, but I haven't dealt with them. I'm um, just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess, yeah. Has the prospect of her not paying actually been brought up by her? Uh, she just mentioned how expensive it was, and that she expected better. Because maybe, like, if, you know, to me, I would get to this stage if I was you to be, you know what, it's not even worth worrying about anymore, but that's not how you stay afloat as a business. But maybe if you approach them at the stage of saying, look, I'll come do these touch-ups and to say sorry for the um, inconvenience, figure out a discount level that you're happy with and say, how about I come up and fix it up and then uh, we'll knock 20% off. Or whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't done that kind of thing before. Yeah. yeah. And then you're kind of being the guy that's offering a deal, even though... It just annoys the crap out of me. Oh, totally. To offer a discount for something where the things she's not happy with, I mean, the big things are things that she we talked about and she agreed to. <laughs> so it's like, like, read the emails. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Just slap them. Go fix it. Slap them on the way out. Anyway, so we'll see what happens. I'll arrange to go see you next week, I guess. Mm. Um, so that's my well, fun week. Jeez, between the two of you guys, um, <laughs> it's been I, a like, bit I of a rough week. Yeah, I don't want to like, you know, I've, I think I've complained about clients probably more than anyone and possibly I'd deal with more and more turnover of actually dealing with more clients. So that probably mm. makes sense. But I think it just also stands to... If you're going to get into this business, you are going to deal with customers who mm. just are not reasonable sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Jordan and I were talking about this last week, actually, about, yeah, when 
when does this, what you're talking about, become so annoying and frustrating and rage inducing that you just say, owning my own business, it's not worth this. I'm yeah. going to go get a desk job. Still, still yeah. in that mindset this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think you that's why we talked about it last yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was trying to be mindful of, of keeping it a little bit more outlook. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. I can't even think. <laughs> <laughs> this will be outlook today, guys. Yeah, all look outlook. That's all right. Okay, emails. should we, we can talk about something for like five minutes? Let's talk. Okay. Well, before before we talk about anything else, uh, Nick Harvey has had a question on hold for this is now the third week in a row, <laughs> and we wanted to get to it last week, but Joey was off, so we all couldn't right. do it. Wanted to get to the week before, and there was no time. So tonight, Nick, we are answering this question regardless of the time that we that we run into. So, it's two parts to this question. And that's all we have time for. Thanks for watching, everyone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Nick Harvey asks, um, what hardwood timber would go well as a top with cabinets made from birch ply? More as an aesthetic thing than anything else. It's for a consulting desk. So, Joey, I think this question was more directed to you, I'm guessing because of the 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 a lot of the kitchens that you install, you do the plant kitchens. Oh, so right. what would be a good hardwood timber to go for that for a consulting desk? Oh, man. Aesthetically. Uh, I don't know. Anything dark, I suppose. Uh, yeah, because my mind immediately went to like walnuts or something. Yeah, I... What have I done? Um, I'm thinking maybe something like maybe mahogany colorish, or... Uh, what else have I done? Do you do, do you got to be just something that contrasts it? You could probably put maple on it as well and have like an all, like it'd be like a very, like a minimalist, minimalist look. Um, would you, would you ever do plywood on top of that? It's, yeah. Like in my mind, done. plywood is, is super trendy. Like, yeah, it does look very, um, industrial. Yeah. Industrial commercial when you have a all plywood box, but finished to the T. Yeah, it can look really nice. Um, I, I just think anything that's not the same color. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what would you use? I quite like light on light. So right. I, I was going to say something more like uh, cedary would be the darkest, but it's quite soft. But that kind of color would be the darkest I'd go. Mm -hmm. Or... Um, yeah, like, like a lighter. Ash yeah, Vic Ash, like nice clean Vic Ash, hmm. something like that. But yeah, that would be kind of cool. That's because I like bleached out look when right. it comes to if you're if you're using birch plywood, use something light on top as well. I don't gonna, like the contrast. I'm gonna sort of echo what you're saying, but take it to the to a different angle. I really like white stone on plywood. Mm -hmm. So if this mm -hmm. is a if this is a paid job, what about getting? I, I, so here the the brand is Caesar Stone, mm. um, but I'm not sure what is that. Just an epoxy? Like what what is it's that a, material? It's a brand name, I think. Mm. So I guess it would be just gener the generic would be a man made stone. Yeah. What do they, what do they call that? What what's well, a man made stone? Is it epoxy? It's, it's, well, it's yeah, it's like rock dust and epoxy. Um, yeah. Because you get that in white. is a brand name. Though. Yeah, you get that in whites. You can get quite thin with that's that, can't thing. you? 
Uh, it goes up to 30, goes down to, I think, 15, I think they do it. Because mm. I can see that. Not not the one with like the, you just get the the, the one with just the slight flex in it mm. on a poly, on a birch uh, base. I think that would look, that would look pretty tight. I thought yeah. you would say uh, concrete. Right. <laughs> they yeah. would actually well, concrete would yeah. work well. Yeah. yeah, it would. All right, so there was a second part to this question, and that was also, please could we ask Joey to expand on the Minwax Wipon Poly just in regards to the ratios of thinning out on each coat. I'm actually really interested in this as well because I've tried to experiment on this in the past. Do you thin out each coat? As Not you the Minwax stuff. Minwax stuff is thin like water out of the can. So just out of the can is great. So yeah. you never need a thin wipe on poly? Not that stuff. The Minwax stuff I've found fine. Otherwise, I just make my own. I don't see the point in buying someone else's thinned down polyurethane where I can just thin my own polyurethane down. Jordan, I think, has a slightly different view to that. But uh, in, in my case, I, I just thin it down and add more coats. Mm. Mm. Okay. You know, you can buy over here. I can buy a four liter can of cheap polyurethane for forty thirty nine dollars or something, and a two dollar bottle of Terps and mix it up, and you've got wipe on poly, and you've got the crap ton of it. The only thing I worry about when doing it like that is control and repeatability. Like you know, yeah, you have that, to mix it per job. Yeah, and then if they come back wanting something and it's slightly off and it's slightly different color, then it's it can come back to bite her. Well, that's when you have a, a little disclaimer. Oh, yes. <laughs> you say, I have a disclaimer on quotes when I do official written up quotes that, you know, timber's natural, uh, a natural thing and it moves and it does this and that. Mm. And paint is, pigments always change. And so paint colors are never going to be the same. And clear mm. coat um, formulas change all the time. And the, the amount of pigments and tannins and rah, 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 you will never get the same color twice unless I do them all at the same time, whatever that is. So finish with you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're talking, because we're not going to have time tonight to do a topic. Um, while, <laughs> while we're talking about um, finishes and John, with your spraying knowledge, I am looking to get a, so I've got an air compressor. I've never touched a spray gun before. Maybe okay. used one, obviously. I want to spray my back fence with a water-based one of these deck, um, one of these deck uh, spray finish things. Right? Can I do that with a spray gun? You can. Uh, Is it an oil? Water-based. Water-based, but it's like water-based oil. I'm not sure. Anyway, acronymal. Yeah. yeah, totally. I'll probably be saying get the cheapest piece of crap you can if it's for a fence because you're not going to want to clean that stuff out of it if it's what I'm thinking it is. Uh, mm. Two millimeter nozzle would be the minimum. Two and a half would be better. Um, Two and a half, yep. Uh, but one thing is get yourself on your compressor. So get the gun with two and a half mil nozzle, but also get yourself a good regulator with filter, a uh, dry filter, or oil filter, because... Cheap ones, uh, you know, they will do the job, but they're not as good. But the good one, when you set the pressure, it's when you turn the trigger on, you can actually really dial it in. And then when you set the trigger off, you can be sure that next time you trigger on, the pressure is still the same. It doesn't like build up behind the gun. Ah, Um, okay. And then when you're setting it up, 
get the get whatever you're putting in the gun, the, the finish in the gun, spray it and turn the pressure from high all the way down to low and still until it stops atomizing the finish mm-hmm. um, and turns into this gloopy mess, and then just slightly turn the pressure up because the lower the pressure, the better yield you'll get out of your um, finish because okay. less of it will be overspray and dry before it hits the fence uh, and you'll get better finish as well. Jeez, this is a, this is a bloody science. I'm thinking <laughs> I'm going to go this route because it's simpler than hand painting. What size is your compressor? 50 liter. Do you know what CFM it does? I do not. I know that it's a Ryobi and it's right. a 50 liter and it's a black. Some have a weird duty cycle where they don't like running for that long. Um, yeah. So like maybe just keep a, keep that in the back of your mind. But if you go a, a HVLP style gun, you can get them cheap. Um, you'll well, run yeah, at well, even lower pressure. That's the other thing. Do I do I not waste my time with that? Get one of the cheap guns that does everything, and then well, if it you can get an HVLP gun to go on the yeah on your compressor. compressor. But um, she, my dad actually bought like a, a fifty or sixty dollar electric uh, like spray. All in Sorry, one I thought that's what the HVLP was. Yeah. Okay. Well, it just means high, what is it? High, high volume, low pressure. High volume, yeah. Ah. So you can get a gun that does that on the compressor, but you can get for like, yeah, say 50, 60 bucks, something like that, a low, low-end HVLP mm. electric sprayer. And my ah. dad actually got one and painted a fence and a roof with. And then if, if it doesn't work after working for two days straight, then you can, you can biff it. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the, the world we live in, but... Um, that would be the best thing for spraying uh, like fence type stuff because yeah, it's not a very nice, it's not a fine quality spray, but it's perfect for on rough sawn surfaces or yeah, even yeah, the yeah. side of your house would be fine. Um, and it has like a one liter pot on it and it just has a little fan inside it and it just blows the paint straight out. I might look into that then. Yeah, because all this stuff, like the last couple of weeks that we've been talking about all this, you know, John with your spraying lacquer and all that, like I'm listening to you guys and I don't know what you're talking about this is just it's just gobbledygook <laughs> and yeah as you say joey i just want something to just just put the paint on in any capacity doesn't mm. need to be any anything fancy yeah. and that that cheap all-in-one gun sort of thing might be the better way to go if your compressor mm. isn't a very high volume one mm. you'll so find I've got a 100 liter compressor and i think it's 100 liter and when i sprayed the outside of my workshop it ran constantly mm. and it's a big compressor right. mm. um and it got really hot so i wonder if um but that's me not knowing anything about air pressure either but um i think yeah. your little thing will just will struggle along a bit yeah okay. yeah i did use the azito airless spray or whatever it's called before that was cheap i i painted my roof with it it okay. worked i yeah, got I've lots seen, of paint in my eye but it worked <laughs> the other option rob would be to rent an airless outdoor sprayer um, oh, and, you're renting, yeah. And just rent a, an actual proper airless sprayer. We just hook it straight to your big 10 litre bu- bucket of paint and it just siphons it straight out of the bucket. Um, mm. And then all you have to do is run water through through it afterwards and clean it out and send it back and you're done. Yeah, that's actually, I hadn't thought about renting. It's a good idea. And then musical. Cool. All right. So you guys have just opened up a whole bunch of new things that I'm going to have to go research. <laughs> for the help. Cool. All right. Uh, well, so what do we work, work uh, watching? Watching. Uh, 
Joey, do you want to hear? Um, what's it? What's it called? Uh, Twisted Boards on a Twisted Board, Twisted Boards on YouTube. Um, the affordable workbench with unaffordable hardware. That's pretty cool. Um, he makes a really nice um, pine. I guess it's Southern Yellow Pine in the states. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I like how he used pine just because no one seems to do it. I did it. Um, and yeah, used just a fancy bench crafted hardware and does a really good job. And it's a cool video. So, and geez, it's a good looking bench. Hey, Jeez. that's nice. Yeah. Damn. I haven't seen it yet. I have to do that. It's pretty cool. Cool. Uh, is that me? Yeah, it is me. I, could, I couldn't remember the order after last week. Um, I was watching Tom Stanton, who was like, yeah. he's mostly a 3D printy kind of guy, but he was talking about his CNC router finally after months of dodgy dealings. And it's quite fitting because I have a feeling I'm going to have the same thing on my hands. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I saw yeah. that video. I was like, ah, Jordan's feeling something. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. When I was watching this video, it was in the back of my mind, I thought, Great, I've paid for my import. This is going to be smooth sailing. <laughs> but now all has come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and for myself, I watched, a, it's, I think it's Jimmy's, Jimmy DeRace's latest video about the knife making that he did. But in particular, the bit where he etches mm. uh, a little section of it with, would that be considered electroplating? I think electro, electrolysis, I think. Yeah. I haven't watched it. It was super simple, which I didn't mm. realize it was. It's salt water and, and current. Salt water. Yeah. I thought you, because I, you know, thinking back to the high school days, you need some like, what was it? What was the copper one that we used to use? Um, <laughs> copper sulfate or something. I don't know. Okay. Like that's what I'm thinking in my mind. I didn't realize you could just use table salt to do it. And the result, yeah. in my opinion, was actually pretty, pretty specky. Yeah. Well, it will um, itch any uncovered surface. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's a really cool way to, yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure why he laser cut. I guess he had to laser cut through the masking to actually get the stencil of his name. He, he talked about this in, the, um, in their podcast. He said that the, the reason he used the laser is because then you can get really tight corners uh, on, on such on a small edge. design. Yeah. Right. Whereas so. if you, I guess if you were to use a, um, a knife, you might be able to as well, but it would just be a lot easier with that yeah, yeah. with that laser. Hmm. I like the idea of that. I think he should make a, a Stanley knife to hold it. That giant, mm. um, that giant razor blade. What sort of, what yeah. sort of knife is that? I, it? I was a giant razor blade. A razor blade. Okay. You know, like a classic razor blade with the little notches in the top. And yeah. It's as big as your hand. This yeah. one. Cool. And he, and the thing is, he made it sharp as well. So the video that I'm talking about was he made an actual normal. Knife, I think that oh, video. Was, but then okay, you're right. In the video before that he did with the, oh, the razor, okay, he did the same thing. All oh, right. But um, yeah, it was that that razor blade, that big razor blade that he made. It was all fun and games. But I must say, then when he sharpened it up to you know real sharp, I just thought now this is just dangerous <laughs> <Yeah>. because it's <laughs> this gigantic razor blade. Uh, just yeah. a real weapon. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that was pretty cool. Mm. Cool. All right, everyone. Um, well, that's it. I'm just going to have a quick look at the chat. Yeah, no worries, Nick. Thanks very much. We finally got your question. Um, I'm happy to, to have ticked that off. So, yeah, and I hope that was the at least some of the details you were looking for. 
I've been waiting 32 weeks to get my question answered. <laughs> when do we get paid? <laughs> oh, yeah. It like I love it. Cool. All right, everyone. Well, thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks very much to everyone listening or watching. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed the episode. Anything more from you guys before we head off? Uh, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. All right, cool. Okay, guys. We'll see you again then. Same time next Thursday. Catch Cheers. You.